0: listening to the voice of Howard Show. Hello, you rock, little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dane. Hey, uh, hey, baby.
1: Hello, sir. Hey. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi, this is Pretty Spears. Hi,
0: I'm Mike. Hi Stewart. there, and welcome to this another Michael edition Michael of Paul. The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth, and my name is John Teague. Well, today... um Today I had the good fortune of talking to none other than Paul Dwyer, formally or informally known as Chicken. Um, now, Chicken, uh, I've known, you know, I've known Chicken for a really, really long time, um, and he, he, look, I'm just going to read you this book. So, my grandma's sister, we used to call her Auntie Cow. Um, good on you, Auntie Cal Wherever you are out there in the ethos uh, She gave me this book And it must have been 15 years ago I don't know, a while ago And for some reason I've held on to this book And I've never really read it But I held on to it just because I love the title And it's Crackpots, Ratbags and Rebels A Swag of Aussie Eccentrics And um, Now I, I opened this book And and I, I, I read, I, I didn't know if they were like fictional or um, non-fiction characters and I, you know, and I just opened it up to a chapter one day and, and this was the opening line of The Eternity Man, which was a real dude. It was a guy in Sydney. It could be said that a city without graffiti is like sex without an orgasm. And that's the opening line. And I, I was just like, oh, fuck, I'm in. This is awesome. Now, I kept the title and I kept this book around, Crackpots, Ratbags and Rebels, because uh, I just love that. And I feel like that's what Australian culture is, is you know, it, it's at its core. Uh, having grown up in the country and around the coast and in the 80s, you know, there was a lot of... Crackpots, ratbags, and rebels, and and look, I think that the, the more whitewashed we get us as a society, we seem to be uh, losing these flavorful people, or maybe they're just being pushed down to areas that uh, I'm, I, you know, it's not where I'm living at the moment, and I know Australia is full of them, and and I love, um, and I love Australia for that, you know, uh, and and I say this because, chicken, I love you, but I feel like you could be in this book. Uh, It's a great title, and 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 look, I know. um, Look, I'm not going to go into it too much, but but Chicken has had uh, you know a a career that's been all over the map, from working in the trades to being um, a reality TV star to a a breakfast morning radio host. Um, You know, he's had he's had quite a diverse career, uh, and 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 the surfer all the way through. So, anyway, I had a great time talking to Chicken today. Um, Now, another little shout-out is um, now Jace up at Southwest Auto, uh, mechanics there on on Grossman's Road. Uh, He also is the Surf Coast Wildlife Rescue, um, and he's doing an amazing job, and he does it all off his own back. So he goes out and rescues animals that have been, um, I don't know, in all sorts of dramas, hit by a car, you know, affected in one way or another. He's out there looking after local wildlife and he does it off his own back. So um, so I've been given a flyer that says um, on the 19th of September, which is, what's today? Today is the 5th. So, yeah. What, two weeks? On the 19th of September, Domino's Pizza in Torquay is donating a dollar from every pizza sold to the Surf Coast Wildlife Rescue. Um, So if you want to get on board and do your bit to help the wildlife of our precious area and help Jace, um, get a pizza on the 19th of September from Domino's. Uh, Yeah, I will be there. Um, Anyway... I hope you're going well out there in the land of lockdown or or, or wherever you are in the world and, and how this is affecting you. It's affecting everyone just really differently. And and I know there's a lot of people out there doing it pretty tough. And look, honestly, I feel I feel fortunate that uh, touch wood at the moment I seem to be traveling pretty good. And and I you know, I've been thinking about that a bit. Like, you know, I don't mind my own space. Um and then I was in, the you know, I spent a lot of time alone. And uh, I was like, well, when as a kid, I, I, I was always sent to my room, you know? I was just always in trouble and I was always sent to my room. We didn't have the fucking internet. We didn't have Netflix. There was no TV in the room. There was nothing but the imagination and a tree out the window and the fear of when dad was coming home, you know? And so I spent a lot of time in isolation in my bedroom as a child. And I think that that's given me a good grounding for this this time in life because I'm no stranger to it. And possibly, you know, those people who are really struggling, and I'm sorry if you are struggling, maybe you didn't get sent to your room enough. Um, so uh, take from that what you will. Um, anyway, look, just keep an eye out for everyone. Just keep an eye out for um for those you love, you know? Check in, check in. Anyway, I hope you're well and uh, I'll you see you on the other this side. It's is interesting. Okay. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A okay.
1: complete and total far Hi, this is David Burry. Pretty things are going to hell. Hello.
0: Now um your parents, what was was your you're you you know, by trade you're a plasterer. I know you're a whole lot more than that, but yeah, well
1: back to buy trade mate. I'm a carvinger. No? I yeah. Okay, yeah, I did my apprenticeship on high-rise in Melbourne as, yeah. a, as a chippy. I picked up plastering when I got down here after that when I was qualified at 19. And now I'm a waterproofer as well and, you know, I've got all the hobbies along with shaping the boards and all that sort of stuff. But what was your question,
0: yeah, you're I was going to say, was your, old man, was your old man on the tools? Was he that kind of guy? No, or?
1: he was a bank manager. Oh, really? Yeah, for 40 years. Numbers guy? Yeah, yeah. Um... Going back when he did it, you wouldn't say he's a numbers guy. He wasn't great at mathematics. He wasn't like an accountant, but he was, you know, he lent... It's when, you, when you're a bank manager at a branch, you know, you, you had to have people skills. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, people come in, you didn't have to show and prove how much you weren't. If, uh, if you could pay off the loan, he lent the money. Whereas now a computer tells you how much you can lend someone.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not bad having a relationship with the bank manager. Yeah,
1: correct, mate, yeah. correct. And he, and he, you know, he he had some, later in his life, he became a commercial bank manager in Collins Street and he had some uh, some huge customers like Grollo and some of the big Italian formwork companies and fruiterers and yeah, so it was good. He good at his job. Yeah, he was good at his job, but he was yeah, he's, he's pretty straight, my old man. Actually, I'd say very straight. And mum was a stay at home mum, so she never really worked except for part time and in a supermarket.
0: Now, um, having grown up in that environment in high school, high school was high school. Did you, what, what, I know what seeds planted in my mind because I grew up on a farm mm. and how the fuck do we end up surfing down here every day? Yeah. Uh, What was it? Do you remember?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I was that traditional family uh, that came down in the caravan. So from the age of two, it was every summer, about two weeks in Lawn. And then we moved to the Burnell Caravan Park when I was about age three. And there were sort of three groups. You had the the Burnell Crew, which is where I met some locals that I've known for 40 40 years. Because, you know, those kids that were around town, like the Frosts and you know, um, the Ainsworths and things like that, they, they were looking for, for kids to play with. So they only got that opportunity in summer when the Melbourne kids came down. So I, I pretty much spent every summer holidays in the Burnell Caravan Park catching a bus to Torquay Point with some of the locals and, and yeah, ventured around the corner to Juck sort of when I got the balls when I was probably about 12, 13, but p- before that Torquay Point every summer. And then we started doing Easter's too. So that's when I fell in love with it. And it sort of pissed me off in a way because I used to beg mum and dad to, to move down here. I, I just wanted to live here, be a local as a kid. And, and uh, you know, they said, oh, we can't because dad works in Melbourne. And I said, bullshit, you can work in Geelong. And I worked it all out. But they weren't willing to sacrifice and make the change. So as soon as I did my apprenticeship, I was bang, gone, mm. straight here. And um, you're a
0: personality, whether you like it or not. Mm. And did you go through a carpeting? Uh, what do you call it when you're doing the, the, what you just said carpentry that? yeah you did carpentry but what what is it when you're doing the, the start of the bit um, when you, you're getting paid fuck all Apprentices, apprenticeship an apprenticeship fuck yeah. yeah so when you're yeah. doing your apprenticeship yeah. were you happy with being a carpenter's apprenticeship or were you thinking bigger things
1: no I wanted to get a, a builder's ticket as in learn how to build a house because I had visions of coming straight down here building my home but it it was it was during the very first couple of weeks as a first year apprentice carpenter at age 16 that the political seed really got dropped on me and I didn't see it coming and it started on a building site i was um i was only 16 and there was there was it was heavily driven by the union you know there was um my mate got a carpentry apprenticeship on housing and he was getting about 140 bucks a week and I ended up on high rise just because that's the bloke who took me on and straight away I was thrust into this environment where the unions run the joint and the BLF had just sort of closed up and the BWIU started up and then they ended up getting shut down but there was a lot of corruption with I suppose the the unions back in the day of how they used to run there was sabotage and stuff going on sites to get strikes happening and it was it was pretty heavy and I can remember the one of the very first stop work meetings we had, I was listening to the guy speak. It was a shop steward. We used to call them shop stupids because um, they had a lot of power and they could come in and they were guys that couldn't work with their hands and join the union because they were yeah, yeah, the un- union boys. Yeah, union boys. Yeah. And I remember, you know, there'd been some sort of sabotage. Someone had taken the, some bolts out and. a, a crane you know that was anchoring it down to the slab and
0: on purpose
1: yeah oh yeah there was all sorts of shit like that going on in the late 80s and before that but that was before my time um just you know prolong jobs and get days off and all that sort of stuff did they
0: call it a ghost load
1: yeah whatever yeah like like the diesel plant they went off about three years too long when they were building that and that was union run as well but uh anyway long story short they called us all in and, and I spoke out in the meeting and I was, and I, I was like, I was talking like this because I didn't, my voice hadn't dropped. I had no pubic hairs under my armpits. I was just this (laughs) little blonde kid, you know, with no hair on him. And I, I spoke out, I can't remember what I said, but all I do remember is I was sort of towards the back of about 200, a group of 200 listening to this union dude speak. And when I spoke out with my opinion, everyone turned around at me. And instead of laugh or pick on me, they, they actually respected me. So I think from that, that moment I thought, fuck, I've got a voice. It's a powerful thing. And that's, you know, opinions aside, it's the greatest tool anyone can have. I don't care how tough you are, how many fucking martial arts courses you've done. I don't see that as tough. I see mental strength as tough and I, and I see someone that can talk themselves out of trouble tough. That, that's how I measure toughness in a man.
0: And it's very difficult to stand up on your own feet in, at a young age, I think, with the tall poppy syndrome in Australia. Yeah. You know, because it's like, keep down, keep down, keep your head down, can't you? you know, yeah. fucking get knocked off. So, power two, you know, and it's something that I love about American culture is they're not afraid to just say, hey, no, it's like this. But I yeah. think that we are a little bit pulled back sometimes. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you stood up in the union meeting. How, how old were you then? Oh, 16. 16? Yeah, 16. yeah, Right.
1: But as I said, I, I, I was a bit timid the first couple of years on those building sites because I hadn't gone through puberty. I didn't go through puberty until I was sort of in, 17 and a half. That's why you look so young. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it, mate. I was a really late developer, not in the head, but in phys- physicality, really late. Um, and so you finished your apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose the, the lucky thing for me, because I did my apprenticeship on high rise, and having a bank manager as an old man, I, I knew how to look after my money. I had to pay board, you know, I, my house was a normal family home. What wasn't really allowed to swear, but I was encouraged to save some money and follow your dream. So I, I saved 200 bucks a week for four, for four years. Wow. 40 grand, yeah. And that's that. Late that, 80s, early 90s. Um. Yeah, late eighties and early nineties. A lot of money. Yeah, it was, and I came down and went bang, and I bought a block in Strathmore Drive, and Jack, it was forty two thousand. Amazing. And and yeah, that was that was me ticket in, and when, I suppose once you're in, if you're smart, once you're in, into the housing market, you've just got to try and stay in there, then, mm-hmm. and and not make shit decisions. So. Is that the same place that you're at now? No, nah, no, nah. nah, I sold. So no, you're on, an ocean mover. No, yeah. not to tell anyone, sorry, I don't know
0: where Oh, that doesn't right. matter, mate. Like,
1: <laughs> I, I'm so proud of where I live because uh, when I was about in early 20s, uh, we lived in the Bird Rock Flats for a couple of years when we first moved down. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got a big history with the Bird Rock Flats because the bloke that owns that, his son gave me, it was the first place where they opened the doors to me and Jack. Stoddy? Yeah, Stoddy, yeah. mate. Yeah. Peter, Peter stopped, built the Bird Rock Flats with um, Rawson and um, and those flats and those shops. and I met Luke, his son, when Luke was 17 and I was 17 and I was just sort of starting to be down here a lot more, getting lifts down with mates who had licences when I didn't. And I, and, I, and I met Luke and we hit it off because we're about a week apart in age and Luke said to me, Paulie, because my name wasn't Chicken. Then he goes, Paulie, you like surfing that much? He goes, mate, if you ever want a fucking bed, crash here. And I went, what? I've just been invited by one of the most hardcore, like, local dudes to stay at his house whenever I want, and I took him up. I was there every weekend, but fuck, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just had no idea. You know, he, it was just a party house. Like, he's. I sometimes feel sorry for the old man because he, he looked after his son and gave him the bloody unit to live. In. And, and look, Luke's a great bloke. And he, I used to stay with him every single weekend and we just used to fucking party. And obviously, you know, we could get into the Bird Rock Cafe underage. And then oh we, we went way back. And that, that was just crazy, crazy times because, yeah, Luke was pretty mad.
0: I can like
1: some of the craziest times that I remember was the brownie days at the rock. Yeah. That came after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's yeah. I was probably living in there with my wife now because when, when I finally bit the bullet and moved down, I bought that block of land. sort of when I was 19, but we rented the burdock flats for two and a half years. So what you built, no, I just sat on the land because I didn't have enough money or, i didn't really want to build yet i just wanted to live here yeah so that's that was when i started plastering because i couldn't get any carpentry work i was trying to work with Joycey because Joycey just moved down before me and you guys had a full click was there, there was johnny yeah swin yeah old school torquay local and budgie andrew mitchell yeah and it was always reedy yeah, yeah. No, reedy, reedy was a geelong boy he had he wasn't sort of too much down here until a couple of years later but um Reddy's the... Yeah, Reddy and Ado and that, they're all Geelong lads. And then, um, yeah, the, the real locals that I sort of hung around with was Matt Frost, the late Frosty. He's dead now. Um, and th- there was a, a family in Torquay called the Gazers. Now, if you were mates with them, you were fucking safe at the Torquay pub because Dave Gaze, was a, he was a wild street fighter and... Gazy Yeah. There was Jeff Gaze, Ronnie Gaze and Dave Gaze. And, yeah, Dave was, Dave was the bluer. And he was a he was a bricky, and a lot of my mates. I, I never really hung around the crew from the surf industry. Just about all my mates were tradies. Yeah. Mm. So you know, even all the surfs and all that, they were always with with dudes from building sites and, and house sites. Not.
0: Oh no! I always remember you guys rocking in the Winky car park. Um, yeah, that's I totally remember you had you had a click. Mm-hmm. Coffee's good, mate. Thank you. Great. No worries. Um, and. That's super. I didn't know that you just threw down on a on a block. It's something I wish I had have done. Yeah. You know, like my mum was always like, "Oh, you should." You should. And I was just like, "I don't know. No one's tying me down." You know, like funny fucking idiot. when I
1: when I lived in Strathmore <laughs> Drive, um, we we built this house. We borrowed about a hundred grand from the bank to build it because it was so little back then. But it was all relevant to what it is today. And I said to the missus, I said, "I want to go. I want to move back to where near Bird Rock Cafe. There's a block of land just up the road from." The, the cafe and I said it's ninety grand, and she goes, "Oh, we can't afford that." I said, "I know." And Johnny Swinler actually said to me, "He goes, chicken. No one spends ninety grand on a block in Jack. You're fucking crazy." But I said, oh, "I just want to live over way from the water." So I bit the bullet and sold the other house. It was hard to sell because the shit wasn't moving, and yeah, that's that's where I've been now for twenty years.
0: So what, where are we
1: in? That's two thousand. I remember yeah. that time clearly. Yeah, that was that's it. sort of when I, was, when I was punching out babies too. So you're chippy, plasterer, punching out kids. Yeah. And
0: you're obviously, there's something in your mind that must be saying, there's something else I want to be doing here. Because what drove you to, let's just go for it, what drove you to audition for Big Brother?
1: I was bored and I'll tell you why. I'm I'm a bloody selfish prick sometimes I I had a beautiful wife a a, a son and a daughter and I'd done that you know change the nappy thing for about three or four years well my son was five when I auditioned so yeah five years I've been changing nappies because my daughter was three and I thought fuck I need need something you know I need to do something I'm surfing every day I'm working I'm happy but I've sort of, I'm sort of undiagnosed ADHD. I'm always looking for something to do. Mm. I've got to answer my pants, mate. And I, that Big Brother had come out about two years beforehand. Started in, I think, two thousand two, or two thousand. I think it started. So in two thousand and four, I said to the wife, I said, you know, we've been watching this show for fucking three years now. I said, I I reckon I'd be good on that. And she goes, Don't be fucking stupid. You wouldn't get into that. And I said, oh, right. And as soon as she said that, I thought, well, we fucking watch me. I actually auditioned and...
0: So, what's the audition process back I,
1: then? I, I had to make a 10-minute VHS tape. Yeah. Right. So, I just, you know, got two tapes and then edited it up the best I could. And I, it was real. I, I focused on real Aussie shit. Um, you know, I was jumping around the backyard sort of entertaining, you know, the producers like a kangaroo and that. But... The I, I do I do know how I got in. I everyone was auditioning, saying this back. This is before there was a villain on on telly on reality telly, I should say. And instead of telling the producers, "Oh, I'm great on the life of the party," I said, "I'm going to drive everyone fucking mad." I said, "I argue a lot. I can't remember losing too many," and I'm quite political, but I'm socially political as well as politics political, and. I've, I've got another thing I'm a dad and I said you've never had a fucking parent on the show and I got told when I you know when I finally found out I got in that year in 2004 I got told that I was the first in so they built the house around my personality as they said oh, wow. oh so we've got an AFL footballer that was struggling with injury which turned out to be fitzy yeah and you know we'll, we'll have the black guy, we'll have the gay guy, we'll have the political guy, but that's our alpha male right there. And they told me that, and I was I was pretty chuffed with that because thirty about thirty five thousand audition for that series.
0: It's wild, man. It really is. Like I just want I want to cook this down. So you're sending your tape, yeah, and then and then how long between the next correspondence?
1: About three months. So nothing. No, just no, nothing. Did you forget about it? No, no, no. I was, no, you I were was cooking while, it. I was, I was, I was cooking it. Yeah, I yeah. was waiting to hear because it, it was. I'd been on television before. I'd played i I'd played in a football club before that, was a, another reality show a couple of years before. So I sort of got the bug. And I think I remember something about that. The, it was called the club, and and um Sam Kekovich was the the president of the club and. I think I remember something, yeah. Yeah, and there was a... Yeah, I, I end up meeting a lot of footballers through that. Like David Reese jones one of the hardest pricks to ever play He was with, Melbourne. He was our... No, Carlton. Oh, he was Carlton. Yeah, he was I'll our coach. I'll just try and claim him. <laughs> he was our coach. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so I did that and, and I got the bug for the television thing. And then, yeah, so three months after I auditioned, I got the call up. I had to go to Melbourne. There was 200 of us on the shortlist just for Victoria, for Melbourne. And... Yeah, I got pulled aside by the producers and the psychologists and all that and they went through me and they actually said, Now we we want you in the house, but your type we don't think will last because you, you won't be able to fucking watch there's you. no surf. No, no, they weren't worried about that. They said, How are you gonna go without me surf? I said, I'll be alright, if I'm, you know, part yeah. of something huge, it'll be fun and they said, um They said, Yeah, but you shoot your mouth off by the sounds of it and you'll get voted out straight away. I said, nah, nah I'm too smart for that. And <laughs> they took the gamble and, yeah, I ended up finishing So, hold on. What does a psychologist... What does a mental check look I like? Did, well, I did three psych tests. Yeah, so they did, give you scenarios. Yeah, well, psych test was sort of pretty much just 500 questions, but then... Paper yeah, or... Yeah, qu- no, it was all on the computer back in the day and then... And then some, I think one of them might have been on paper because what they do is they give you three different ones to see if you're sort of bluffing, yeah. and just three different models. And you know, whatever I don't even know what I came back as, but yeah, they they called me an alpha male and blah blah blah, and and they said they they grabbed me and then they you know had to get another seven blokes to live in the house with me and another eight women, so there was eight and eight sixteen of us. It's a footy team, almost. No, oh, it was fucking crazy, mate. It so, really so,
0: okay, was. so you've gone through this two hundred, the two hundred yeah, in Melbourne, yeah. and then was there another culling, or was it just straight no, from that no. two hundred you'll pick?
1: Yeah, from that two hundred I was picked, and I went, and then they said you, we want you to do a medical, so they do a medical, and and what was the medical? Was it like touch your toes, yeah, make sure you're healthy? Test. Was it drug? Yeah, test? it was drug testing, eye testing, hearing, yeah. and it was all sort of stuff that. So if your hearing was cooked. You know, and then you know, you tried to go. Um, it was all, it was pretty much their, their protection. Yeah, yeah. But they also wanted to know if you had any diseases or Hep A's or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, you had to go in there
0: and do a lot. Yeah,
1: of fucking maybe. And yeah, yeah, well, you could root in there and yeah. everything like that. So you know, they they needed to know that you were fit and able.
0: Yeah.
1: And healthy, and you weren't going to spread disease.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair call. Yeah. And um, so. You've come out of that. What's the waiting period when they've said yes to you actually oh, going in?
1: Yeah, it was about six months. Really? Yeah. So you knew for six months? No, you know, I, no, they didn't tell me. They strung me out. And uh, I, I I, started putting the pressure on them. I nearly pulled the pin right at the end because they said, I said, how are we going to live? I've got a fucking mortgage. How, why don't, geez, imagine if I'm in there for three months. How am I going to pay me mortgage? And they said, oh, we give you $500 a week allowance, which is non-taxable because it's regarded as prize money. And that, that should help you get through. I said, that's not enough. Because at the time, I was only a couple of grand a week as a tradie down here, you know, working for builders in Lawn and Fairhaven and all that. And your dad, yeah. yeah. and I was a dad and, and my missus was off work. And I said, that's not enough. And they said, well, do you want to do it or not? I thought, well, fuck. All right, yeah, I'll do it. And took the took the gamble. And, yeah, look, it paid off because there were things that came at you when you got out, which I didn't know about. But So, all right, hold on, so they strung you out. Yeah, it's struck and, me out yeah yeah and then they said all right you're on
0: uh, and you got to be here let's just say tomorrow yeah. where was it up on the Goldie
1: yeah it was in dreamworld so they the house was you in had dreamworld. to get to Talmarine. yeah they flew me up there and they 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 Did, just, how are you feeling oh shitting myself and that you could take someone but not your partner so I took my brother my brother-in-law but no this is for because the, the, you go in a lockdown period They don't throw you straight in they put you in a hotel room all of you, the whole housemates in all different rooms and you don't get to see anyone and they lock you up with just the tally and they give you food. Any booze? No booze, no. Nah. Clean as a whistle? Yeah, it was. Oh, I went and bought some because they did let us out and I, I went and bought some wine and stuff, Or I think, mm. but um, no, nah, it was pretty straight and they monitored you and the psychs would come in for three days and a few people craft in that three days. Yeah, really? one, one chick, I think, left. and So they were just trying to see under the little bit of jurists yeah, well, how people would behave. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because, look, it's not like jail, I don't think, because I've never been in jail, but there was a big adjusting period when I got back out because, don't forget, it's instant fame too, which was another yeah. sh- thing to deal with. Yeah. And when I came out, my, my, I remember my brother said, mum and dad rang up because I, I couldn't tell anyone, they said you will sworn to secrecy, so I told my missus and I told my brother about the day before I took off in the car and bread watched the show, that's my brother he watched the show as well, so he knew what, what was going to happen and it was pretty big when you sort of came out because everyone knew you. Yeah. Like a million and a half whole people. Yeah, the of whole of Australia country. knows yeah. who the fuck you are. Oh, I know. And um, So my... hold on. Yeah, we're in the hotel
0: pre-going in yet. I want to... Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. work way through. So then you're in there, a few people crack. Yeah. And then they come and get you.
1: Yeah, just check on you. Do you still want to do this? Yeah. And yeah, I was full guns blazing, ready to go. And so then it came the day...
0: When do you meet, Like do, they, do you meet inside the brother house or do they put you on a bus to transport yeah, you? Every in...
1: season was different, but our particular season, we got taken out on the stage by Gretel Colleen in front of about oh. know, a live audience yeah, and yeah. then they put you in another car and then they drive you up the back of Dreamworld where the big brother house was and we actually all met. We were told not to talk to any of the other housemates. We all met at the at the, at the front door, the barn doors, I call them the gates of to hell but um, we all met there and with the host, Gretel, and um, we all went in together. And as soon as we wa- walked in the door, they shut the doors behind us and it was just fucking game on. It was There was much as much booze as we wanted on this table and it was just a <laughs> feast fit for King. So we all just got pissed and ate food and probably stayed up most of the night. And then the game started the next day when Big Brother locked us out of the house and said, you're all sleeping outside tonight. because oh, you misbehaved? Yeah. No, no, just to fuck with Just fuck just with, to fuck heads. with you. Yeah. It was like a a human experiment. And I didn't struggle in there until about the 14-day mark. I was just on a high going, this is rad, you know, and there was mirrors everywhere. So everywhere you looked, you saw yourself. So behind those mirrors were cameras. Everywhere, mate, yeah. Did you ever see a cameraman or a camera? Oh, fuck, I have some horrific stories about that sort of stuff. Yeah, I I wake up in the middle of the night because I was starting to get nightmares and stuff in there. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I, I picked a corner bed so I could keep an eye on all the other housemates. Like I like to. Yeah, military the, style, eh? Yeah, I like to sit on the top of the hill <laughs> yeah. and, and look down. And I um, so I sat in the corner and um, I woke up one night after a nightmare and oh, I was fucked. What was the nightmare about? Oh. You remember? I, I, they were, I was having really creepy nightmares. Like I was murdering crew and shit. It was real heavy. You weren't and taking like the, uh,
0: the mosquito tablets?
1: No, I wasn't, mate. But anyway, I woke up and. When the lights were out in the in the bedroom, they had infrared on so they could see as right. clear as day. But I, I could see through the fucking mirror right next to my bedhead, and there was a dude just staring at me, filming. That's odd. Because I must have, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really odd. It was uncomfortable, and yeah, half the time you wake up with a stiffy and shit. It, yeah. It's not, it's not comfortable at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But I and mean,
0: so, well, during how were you in there for three months? Mm. And obviously, as that as people start to get voted
1: off, the tension undeniably—you couldn't help it—but feel it. Yeah. And I was playing a role though. I was one of the first housemates to try and set crew up. I was, I was, I had a game plan.
0: That was uh, self-imposed or given to no, you pre-going no, in? No,
1: self-imposed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I went in there and thought, well, if, if I'm going to be the last man standing, I'm going to—and this goes back to the shits, stirring, back to the start of this chat. If, if I'm going to see. These people react. I'm gonna have to raise them up. So I did a number of things, like deliberately failed tasks, so we wouldn't get any food
0: for Are the week. You fucking yeah, cheating? so
1: the whole house turned on me. And then I had the 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 big famous spat with Merlin, who was a refugee in the house, and I didn't know. We just started talking politics one night, and he dropped the bombshell that he wasn't an Australian citizen. And and it's you know just as important how you feel in the heart and I said no it's not and we ended up having this huge blue and he was the one who did the big protest when he when he walked out he taped his mouth up and said free the refugees and he and he did a silent protest on stage so no matter all through my life I just seem to be drawn to these political little parts and chapters that just come at me stashes. and I get sucked in yes yeah, dashes I think they are they're, they're it's a recurring thing
0: and um, this i oh, sorry i find this fascinating man like that's cool and so um i haven't spoken about it for a while so yeah, it's interesting it's such a like you know truman show thing that you've lived through like not many people can live through this experiment live in front of like people so many people did to it i told a friend of mine that you're coming on uh recently and she was like he should have won that year yeah well, and, and I like, to be honest, I don't remember that far back that yeah. well, but people remember this shit Well, it's then. funny
1: you say that because when I came out third, see, they, they, they changed the show around a bit each year and there was only an eviction vote in my year. You could only vote to evict, right? So this is the, lot, the, the audience. So you'd ring up on the phone, you'd spend your 30 cents or whatever it was, 90 cents, and you'd vote to evict someone. So I had to I had to talk, sort of turn the show on the head a bit and go into the diary room and sort of address the nation. And I sort of said, look, I'm going to drive everyone fucking mad in here. I said, they're going to vote me out. I said, if you want to see it, Rosie, and and I was talking to Big Brother at the time, but I was addressing the audience. And I said, if you want to see it, Rosie, and everyone just fucking patting each other on the back, yeah, evict me. I said, but if you want to see me raise these fuckers... I said, keep me in. And it worked. It worked right to the end. And when I got out and finished third, I got pipped on the line one night by Bree. She came second. And Trevor won, the Fijian bloke, Fijian Australian, a great fella. Um, When I came out, the producer was in tears. He goes, we wanted you to win. I said, what What do you mean you wanted me to win? He goes, yeah, you you gave us the most. You always knew what to say. You razzed everyone up. You were perfect in the... In the time slot of seven because you knew when to not swear and when to swear. And So my question to you is, upset.
0: it was an hour episode every day, was it, Big Brother?
1: Yeah, but it was also, they had an, an extra hour for the eviction once a week. They hey, had an yeah. extra hour on a Tuesday night for the nominations. So tell it me this, huge.
0: how much... Did they manipulate what you were saying in there to, to service their own agenda? Back, Do you know what I mean? Like, back,
1: back, in then, back in 2004, none, none at all.
0: So they were just letting it roll out yeah, and just yeah. taking the best bits of it, not Correct. manipulating?
1: Correct. Okay. So when I, yeah, when I got out, it was interesting because I got all these work and nightclub appearances in Queensland and stuff like that. and crew were coming up to me on the street they all thought I lived up there because I had long blonde hair and was a sort of a surfy sort of a character so, hold but on. I was oh, the pull vicar it
0: <laughs> pull it back pull it back you you get you third out yeah and so when you leave you walk down a corridor or something and then out into a live audience
1: yeah what, what the fuck was that oh, like it was just incredible I was self screaming at you and that. And then Gretel gives you the eviction show and they go through your highlights of how you lived in there and who you razzed and who you hated and who you loved and who you got along with and and then she asked you a few questions give you a few prizes and then they release you into the wild world again and go home yeah go home but you know we were signed up to harry and miller management mm-hmm. and we we had to do that we had no choice as housemates so we, they had we, that on lockdown yeah what do you mean well the management people had a deal with big Brother correct that, and that, channel nine yeah and then they uh, were all make that yeah, it was yeah. channel 10 at the time yeah um and yeah, yeah, we, we had no choice, but we were contracted to Channel Ten for twelve months, and you know we went on Rove and did all those sort of shows, and then um, how fun? Oh, it was it was really it was really fun. It was really it was a good. I don't regret it. I actually look at it as a massive highlight of my life. Like people always say, would you do it again? I say for sure I would, but it'd be different now. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd get slammed now because of social media.
0: Well, that, and, you know,
1: we all mature and change and, you yeah, know, like... Yeah, yeah, and, and, the, and the country's changed, to be honest. Like, it changed years ago with the political correctness and all that sort of stuff, so I, I'm not politically correct and, yeah, I wouldn't... I don't know whether I'd last five minutes on there anymore. Just, i just... I, the death threats would be flying in. <laughs> yeah. So, um...
0: Uh, hold on, back me up, back up. Uh... Coming out of that, have you kept in contact with anyone from that show? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, funny you say that. Um, A couple of blokes you might know. You're, You're aware of Fisher, the DJ? Mm, I'm pretty far. Removed. Gold Coast DJ. I'm so He's huge, mate. Is he? Yeah, he's got a million followers on Instagram, so that's pretty big. That's pretty big. yeah. Um. Fisher. He, yeah, Fisher Paul Fisher. He was a he was a WQS surfer. Hold
0: on, he's got that really hot girlfriend. Yeah, and he's yeah. always photo like playing, and she's always yeah. Like, oh yeah. My God, he, I know who you mean.
1: His song came second in the hottest 100 a couple of years ago. And Plays he, in Bali and lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I know a who's. grouse surfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, so I felt like I went in with him because the reason I say that is because his best mate, Kane, uh, was the other surfer that went in. and Kane's a DJ as well now. Um, and little Frittery's called, and he's Fisher's best mate. Now when they, they were I was 30 when I went in the house right. Kane was like 19 or 20, and he was a burly head board rider. And he went in with four of his mates on a t shirt. So he went to laser image and got his four mates, and he goes, because I think they might have all applied. And Kane got in. So, so he took them with him. He went in there and said, Oh, you wait till you meet these guys, Chicken, the, the, when we get out. And one of them was Fisher. And, um, he, and they were all really, really good surfers, burly head board riders they were. And so, yeah, they were, they're, they're, they're good fellas. And I, I still keep in contact, not with Fisher, but with Kane. Who was in the house with me? Um, Fitzy, we've sort of drifted apart over the years, but a, a couple of them, yeah, I'm really good mates with the guy who won it actually, Trevor. Is he the VGA guy? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, he's, he works on a radio station on the Gold Coast. Just Still today? Yeah, just handing out shit in the promotions department. And he's a great fella. He won a million bucks cash. Cold hard. Cold hard, yeah. F- first win. Sorry, up, can I ask, what did you win? I won a car. A car? A holiday mm-hmm. to uh, New Caledonia. I watch what was New Caledonia like yeah, it was good surf there there yeah. is yeah yeah. There's it's waves. a big yachting community right yeah and owned by the French I think yeah that yeah. sounds about right yeah it was it was a bit scary there's a bit of rich and poor going on over there because so, uh. I've been to South Africa and it was sort of not similar but there's a danger factor there yeah 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 but um yeah I went with one of the other housemates
0: and you got waves
1: no, I actually didn't. I didn't. Sorry. I think there are waves there, but I didn't surf because I I had a knee injury. Yeah. Good a, party scene. Um, not really. No, I didn't go out. I didn't go out to the clubs and that. No, it was just a, me, the wife, and another housemate and his girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Pool side. Yeah, yeah. Pool, it was all poolside, just drinking piss and relaxing. It was a free holiday, so why not? And so then, okay, that, that's
0: great, man. Oh, thanks for sharing me with that because I, I often think about that. That's a really in, amazing experience to yeah. live through. It truly oh, it is. Was, it was a great part of my life. And so um, then you, you've come out, you've got a newfound platform. Yeah. Not that you've got a newfound voice, but it's definitely probably got a bigger broadcast. Yeah. How long after did you start working
1: for, with it Bay FM? Nah, K-Rock. 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 Um, it was funny because one of the guys who backed me heavily while I was on the show and got Geelong to support me, well, there was two groups. There was Geelong Advertiser. They did a chicken file. So they had a page pretty much on me to pretty much get to Geelong to vote for me. So I had this rural vote, and thankful from the Geelong Advertiser. And K-Rock, there was a guy on the afternoons, Mobsy, He had Peter Bob's show, and he was an ex-Triple M DJ, and he, he took a liking to me. So... When I got a, got out of the show, um, he rang me up and I started doing a few interviews on K-Rock, you know, just like this, your experience and that. And he says, mate, we've got to get you on air. I said, well, I'd love to work on the radio. I said, because my father-in-law has been a radio announcer for 40 years. This is my wife's dad. Oh,
0: he, what's he, his show?
1: Oh, no, he, it was like AM back in the day. Yeah, for, yeah. Free XY, free MP. He used to be a newsreader and his name's Ray Lawrence. He's, he's quite well known, but very old. Like, he's in his 80s, mid-80s, so... You know, he, he just works for a community show now, but um, he's that's been his craft. So I, I've always thought that would be the my dream job. So what I did is I, it wasn't long after Steve who did the surf reports for, K Rock. It was um, Robinson, Steve Robinson. Yeah, yeah. I I pretty much took over the surf reporting from him. Um, and still was plastering houses down here for about three or four years after Big Brother, and I hung in there. And it, it was a free surf report. I used to. I used to sort of plug my own sort of surf brand that was just a hobby, and a
0: bit like Timmy Hawkins did it for Triple R. Did he?
1: Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I was doing it for K Rock, and um, it was it started off once a week on the Fridays, and then and then yeah, an opportunity came up to get on air as an announcer, and I landed the breakfast show for about six years, which was that was another incredible part of my life. It was pretty pretty hardcore. Like, so you tools down and tools this was Tools down full time, yeah. And I would have loved to have done it for life, but it just didn't pay, mm. unfortunately. But, um, if you got onto Melbourne Metro like Fitzy did, he got onto Nova, he got a radio job straight away and you know, he's on a massive contract. But my contract wasn't massive, it was just, just a wage. And so... Is Fitzy still doing it? Yeah, yeah, Fitzy and Whipper. He, uh, Flip Whipper and Fitzy, I think it is. Something yeah, like but he's yeah. Sydney based, and he, they've got a national shame. Right, he's killing it. Killing, yeah, right. Absolutely killing it. It's amazing that the Big Brother platform has launched these careers. Yeah, well, it has. Yeah, so well, I only did it for six years. Six and, years and is a long time, man. Yeah, now. it was a grind. It was a grind. And what I'd, time were you up every morning? About quarter past four. The alarm went off, <laughs> and I drive. I drive in. I. would We'd have an hour to, there was a The most interesting part about that job is you... If you had a shit day or, you know, you woke up grumpy, you, you couldn't you couldn't put that on air. You had to learn how to act a little bit, I suppose, because no-one wanted to listen to shit. No, no. Shit, two it's two a creative bastards. discipline. Yeah, it is. It is. And my sort of job was to tell stories and connect with the audience. So I wasn't the host. Lee, you know, Leroy and Matt Byrne were the hosts, my hosts, and I was... I was called the talent, so I was. I had to come up with stories about mates and life experience, and I also had to make people laugh. So
0: were you going home scouring newspapers oh, and was looking fucking, magazines? It was so and,
1: tiring. Yeah, we were told to carry a notepad on us. Yeah, yeah, At all times and just write stuff down. Like a comedian, and, and I at, believe this is—you'll find this hard to believe—but I was. I used to. I was anti-social media because this was before Facebook came out. The MySpace was out and that, but. I, I, I said to my boss, I said I'm not joining that fucking Facebook shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't, That's not real. I'm not joining that. And They're going, oh, you have to, man. You're on air. You're an announcing. I said, but I will refuse. And uh, at the end, of, I I joined Facebook a month before I left K Rock because they made me because they because we they made what, it. Part what year of was that job. roughly?
0: Two thousand
1: and twelve. Like, hold on.
0: Oh, you really held out. I thought I held out. I was two thousand and eight, and no, I thought yeah. I was late to the party. Yeah, about
1: two thousand twelve. I yeah. think I joined. Oh, I can't remember, mate. But anyway, I've been out of the game for about seven years. So what's so that? Two thousand fourteen. I must have left. So yeah, two thousand twelve yeah. makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um. So you were scratching together, and in the end, you decided, "I, I need more dough. I need it's yeah, not well, going I, where actually, I wanted." Well, it or... got to
1: the point where I couldn't pay the mortgage. Yeah, it, okay. it got, it got It was my dream job, and I absolutely loved it because I love music and I love talking. And I, I, I was actually, after about two years in there, I was given the, pretty much a licence to talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. Like I, Dangerous. Well, I yeah, well, we didn't have a producer because they couldn't afford it. Is that right? So we, we produced it. Mean, you our, see, I always
0: think of these things yeah.
1: and think of a budget. No, no, there was no budget. Uh, they run a tight ship in there at, at K-Rock and Bay FM's right next to it. So it's, it's old, sort of oldies, oldie audience and the young audience two different stations in the same building and they actually had another country station in there as well and yeah the sales team would go out to sell ads so they could pay us all and including themselves and there was there was no no money for producers so we had to produce all our own stuff and come up with our own content and by the time I left I thought I had a brain tumor because I had this constant brain pain on the left side of my head I, I went and got got it checked a few times. I said, I've got something wrong. I've got this jaw ache. And it was just because I couldn't shut down. Uh-huh. And I thought, this is fucking not helping. It's actually quite a stressful job now because they were making me blog. They were making me Facebook. They were making me um, yeah. see clients on the way home from work. And the other thing was the charity work. Look, you don't mind doing charity work, but when you do it, every time, every every charity work, like every fundraiser I had to be part of, McHappy Day. You know, you know the walks around the ovals for the, all the cancers and all that. I had to do them all, and I was doing them with Geelong football players and that, and they are dragging their heels, going, "Oh fuck, we'll be out of here soon, chicken it, it was it was a bit of a grind because you don't get anything for that, but yeah, it's yeah. It just it's comes just on with you. the job, yep. yeah, and you have to do it. And to be honest, that's probably why I don't get into charities and stuff now because I, I'm spent, mate, because it, it exhausted me. Mm-hmm. It, it really did exhaust me that job
0: no I get it you, we all have a tapping point on anything yeah. really
1: and because it wasn't paying I had to halve my pay like to, to give you an idea they, they pay about half the amount as a tradesman would we'll get per week so I thought I'll just be able to pick up you know yeah, the yeah. extra somewhere but at the end of the day I couldn't because I'd come home I'd be too tired I couldn't do cashies on the weekends anymore and I just slowly went into debt, like the mortgage kept getting up instead of going down. So I, um, I had to pull the pin for the sake of my family and, and just to stay on track. So I, I got out just in time, but it took about five years to recover financially. Yeah. Yeah, got in a bit of a hole. No holidays and no spending for a long time.
0: No, well, you know, oh, it's the, the creative life, right? It's mm. unless you're really at the top couple of percent, it's a it's a grind. Yeah,
1: it is a grind. It, it, you're dead right, mate. That's it's you liken it to a musician. There's plenty of musicians out there, but there's only a handful of them that are that are wealthy. And you know, not everyone does it for money. But I, I got into a point where I had no choice. Mm. I, I've always worked hard, and I've worked hard for money. That's the only reason I go to work. And um, I, I loved the job, but it probably wasn't work, and yeah, it didn't pay either. So I had to go back to, to so, to real job.
0: Um, you've gone back to real job now. didn't you go for, like, I'm so fucking bad with words sometimes, but like, uh, local representative on council or yeah,
1: well, I stuck my hat in the ring because I've got a lot of I've got a lot of pet hates. One of them's religion. One of them's certain politics. And there mind. are the
0: two things that they say never talk about in yeah, a well
1: party. We, I don't mind talking about them yeah. because it makes the world <laughs> go around. Because it
0: fucking gets everyone and, going. And
1: I, I've, got a, I've got a gripe with the Shire. You know, I don't I, I don't like the way this third tier of politics runs and I don't like the way they get involved in federal stuff as well. And my when I put my hat in the ring to run as a candidate for the Surf Coast Shire, I pulled out within a week because... I won't name names because that's not what I'm here to do. I don't want to upset anyone about this. But um, yeah, I got branded pretty quickly as a climate change. This is by a, a current councillor at the time. So as, the, as we're going towards election, I put my hat in a ring. I paid me 250 bucks to, to be a candidate. And straight away, a Facebook page was set up by a then councillor, a female councillor that was tied in with the Greens Party and they said the surf coast shire is in danger if this bloke gets in and they, they probably thought i would because i had a profile and they said he's dangerous because he's a climate change activist he's a pauline hansen lover he's a united patriots front supporter and and he's racist and they got the first three right but they fucking got the last one wrong and so she started building this campaign against me. And I should have done the bitch for defamation, but I decided not to because i got thick skin and wouldn't do anyone any favours. So I just thought, you know what, I don't need this shit. And I I was really only going in and wanting to put my hat in the ring, not to serve the community. I was looking, for, once again, for another hobby mm-hmm. uh, outside of work. But I also wanted to keep the bastards honest. That was why I wanted to join the Surf Coast Shire because I, I, I didn't, I didn't like them tackling certain things that they do tackle and I don't think they have a right to because I think uh, a well, lot without
0: naming names we know that, that certain people have gone in there and taken over the shire and just used it to develop and, and push their own agenda Correct. across the but table without worrying about the community.
1: That's right. That's right. And you know I I I, I took offense to being told I had to pay for a footpath in Janjak when we we didn't have any and they forced us into that and that was just one part of the thing I didn't like about the Shire. I, there, there's a, a refugee welcome sign at the front of town, which I drive past every day. I don't like that. I don't like the fact that they flew the rainbow flag to 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 try and influence the community to vote yes, even though I may have voted yes. I won't tell you which way I voted because that's not a... I, th- I think that was a, the plebiscite. It was it a plebiscite. It was a great way to decide that, uh, that gay marriage thing. Back but it up. What's the word
0: you just used? Plebiscite. It's
1: called a plebiscite.
0: What is that?
1: It's when every individual gets to vote yes or no on a, a topic that is affecting the community. Yeah. Right? So it only comes around every sort of 10, 20 years when, when something's deemed big enough. You know, we might have one one day on um, whether we become a republic or something. And oh, yeah. I, and yeah, what, okay. what what I like about a plebiscite is... I think it's very fair. I think that's how we should be voting all the time, right? I think that's how we should vote on all sorts of political. Um,
0: That'd be a true democracy, f- wouldn't yeah, it?
1: Correct, correct. But this minority group who wanted gay marriage, and I wanted gay marriage too. I was, I was part of it, mate. I thought, yeah, well, if you're gay, you should be able to get married. Well, yeah. fucking not, yeah, yeah. right? So I was part of that, and and then but then I thought, what what right has our Surf Coast Shire got to? Yeah to try and influence the people because the Christians didn't want it because they didn't they don't believe in homosexuality and gay and lesbian activism and all that. that, that you know? Yeah. So so they, they this this shy just hand pick shit. That, that you know
0: yeah it's self-serving I know it's a hot yeah. topic on the globe at the moment yeah. Um not that I'm much uh, I'm really out of my depth here I don't know what no, what they've right. used as agendas and what they haven't and what they're trying to push well, well, through well, but as you and I both know people should be able to do whatever the fuck they want without as long as they're not hurting anyone mm. else
1: mm. well well why why have we got to sign up at the front of our town where's a driver to talk why have we got a refugee welcome zone how are we how are we welcoming to refugees
0: well if you've got you know, Hundred k in the bank, you you know you're most welcome to come in here and buy some land.
1: Yeah, that's no, 100, right. Not hundred. I mean, right. a million. I I work on I work on for builders who build housing commission in Geelong in in. But in, hold on, in is there in a, a, a zone
0: for refugees actually here?
1: No, there's not.
0: There's lo- not. not even a hot cup no. of tea and coffee somewhere. No, there's
1: not. And you know what? If if a busload of them turned up at Bells for a sightseeing day, I'd welcome them. But they're not welcome here because we don't, it's bullshit. It's a it's a feel good. No, Li- I, I get it, lie, I, I get
0: it, I get it. But there, there's fucking lies everywhere. Correct, and that's what everywhere. I don't like
1: and that's why I wanted to run for the, the Shire and as soon as this bitch put a lie out about me and said I was racist, yeah. I thought, fuck you, this is this is not worth it. And I actually spoke to a lot of people.
0: Did that and, have an impact on your mental health?
1: Oh, I got a lot of threats and stuff about running and then the Addy turned against me because I'd previously said and done a lot of stupid shit on Facebook and got into a lot of late-night piss debates where, you, uh, you know, you loose-lip and you say dumb things about, you know, certain things that were happening in the world. So that, the, the, uh, there was this smart-ass that was digging up all that sort of shit and just... They were making front-page stories of it. I'd been running for a week... That would and tax I was on me. The,
0: Did, well, was it taxing? Like, uh, I hate well,
1: that. It wasn't worth it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I was to put my hat in the ring to be the Prime Minister, uh, you know, and it, and it paid well and, the, and it was hard work, yeah, well, it might be worth it, but... To, to run for the for the council and then to cop that sort of shit in the first week, I thought, fuck, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I just pulled the pin. No skin off my nose. And they yeah, just donated them 250 bucks to the Victorian government because that's what you got to pay to run as a candidate there, And ruffled some feathers along the way. If I yeah, I don't know how because I would have rusted a lot more if I got in. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my plan, to get in there and, uh, and take it up to the other councillors. And, you know, I would have. I would have put a few things that the community would have loved, and I would have done, I suppose, a few things that the community would have not liked. No, but you well, can't please everyone.
0: No, you can't. A hundred percent correct. Um, and especially, anyway, we won't go down that track too heavily. But yeah, yeah. you can't. And yeah. I think if you're going to stand up, sometimes you just obviously your opinion is, is your opinion, mm. and it's built on a set of, life, things that happen to you, and then how you evolve in that life and then see compassion for others, it will sit you somewhere on a spectrum that's not going to suit everybody. Correct,
1: yeah. And the one thing I will say about all politicians, you know, ranging from state leaders to federal leaders to local councillors, is you don't do it unless you, you, are, you care. Do you know what I mean? Like whether, whether, whether you're on one side or green or, you know, green, red or blue, you know, or an independent, it doesn't matter. If you... If you do it and put your hand up, I, I respect anyone who does because they care and it's a fucking hard game. You cop mud. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. It's tough and it doesn't pay well. So you only do it if you're passionate about community, either one way or the other way, or passionate about you know religion or, or, or you know just your views. Pretty much every, everyone's got an opinion. They're not like they're like assholes. We've all got one, but the the ones that are really passionate about their views and their opinions usually get into politics. And and all the others just sling mud and why? throw stones.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna, why why though? Are we left with fucking baby boomers. Why aren't there more young people? You know, no, well, I what?
1: think there is, but I think there is a lot of young people getting getting into it. I don't think you can, you know, there are there are young people in federal politics. They're but just not leading. There's, there's no
0: one that I look at, though, that I go, yeah, you're a leader and I don't want to listen to you. Most people I look at in politics, I go, you're uh, a lying fucking blah, blah, blah. Uh,
1: you obviously don't eat well. What about the ex-soldier, Bernardi? The, you know, he's, he's a bit of a right-winger, but you know, he's a, he's a young bloke that fought in Iraq and won a bravery medal.
0: I right, see. So I don't even know about this fella, yeah. Where is he?
1: Oh, well, he ran and got pushed out of it too because he's he was a bit extreme. Wait, what? Locally? No, no, no. Federally? Yeah, yeah, federally. Yeah, he was a federal senator.
0: Um, and and so okay, so you, and then you. Corey with- Bernardi, I think his name was.
1: You withdrew from that, and how are you today? Yeah, well, I'm bloody good, mate. It's it's. I'm working hard, and I and you know I don't surf as much now because as I said, 48 mate, you you do wind it back a bit. The, the froth levels have dropped a bit, um, but I still love it. I still that's what I, that's still my escape. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pretty busy at work because I'm I'm I've got a I've got a knack of being good at a lot of trades. Do you know what I mean? I can now I'm in a position where I can plaster, carpentry, do a bit of concreting, shower bases, and. You know, it's a set of shape boards for hobby, for a hobby. But I'm good with my hands, and that and that keeps me busy. I like lo- I like working. I, I don't think, you know, you should have a stubby or a joint or anything like that until you've done a day's work. You got to earn it. That's that's my theory anyway. It's a good theory,
0: man. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise, well, you get nothing done, right? No, nah,
1: Well, that's <laughs> it. I, I you're going to have a
0: stubby before you get it done. Yeah, yeah. I
1: work hard, but I, I've played hard in the in the past, but I'm also a bit of a homebody. I don't go out that much. I stick to myself a fair bit. So you, you, or
0: not. you've got a surf brand, Winky Pop. Yeah. Now, when did you trademark Winky Pop? And there's been a point of contention around town for a while.
1: 06. Mm, um, and the reason I know about Winky Pop so much is it, it all predates back to befo- way before the surf industry. Not way before, but years before when the um bells family owned the you know the land around bells beach yeah right so i I trademarked that word because well i wanted to because i spoke to i've got i've got a very very close friend who's um have you heard of pat morgan mate in the room there that you just saw there's a pat morgan surfboard in the corner okay well, i have one too That's my uh, first board. Oh, that's good. Keep it. It's got the clover on it. It's a three-digit phone number. Yeah, beautiful. Anderson Street. Yeah, I've got one too. (laughs) Um, Well, his best mate was Roger Fallahay. Now, a lot of people don't know Roger because he's a builder. And most of the crew that surf down here, other than Sweeney and a few of the others, Peter Troy... Um, they, they were Melbourne tradies, yeah. right? Now, Roger was one of those, and um, Tristy Brian Trist, who, who named Winky Pop, was another. And they used to come down and surf bells with Sweeney and Peter Troy and um, Pat Morgan. And um, they, right, ro- ro- Roger told me the story, he goes, you, you, you know, I was there the day that got named. I said, Bullshit, because he knew I surfed Winky a lot, and um. I said, bullshit. And he told me the story. I said, shit, I didn't know that. And I've known you for years. So, right Tom, back. what is it? Well, they, they were, a group of them were surfing. I've published that. A group of them were surfing the the Bells Beach, where, was where they always and only surf. And um, a few of them stood on the beach one day and looked over to the left and said, we've got to, we've got to surf that joint. Looks quick. Looks quick, looks yeah. good. And so there was about and I can if you want before this bloke passes if you want I can tee a podcast up with this bloke Well, hold on I've got to show you something else that I'm working on so in the background was, but afterwards so there's about six of them on the beach hmm. and I know I can name about five of them it was Pat Morgan Roger Fallahay Brian Trist Brian Poynton and there were a couple of others I believe right six or seven of them and they all went and surfed it together and Tristy, the plumber, he his favourite word was winky pop. Because he used to always fuck his missus and say, Let's go and have a winky pop. <laughs> right. It was a code name for sex back in yeah. back in Melbourne in the sixties. Right. Uh, and it was this chick that used to service us a few of the surfers. And she, she, she taught the boys, Let's go and have a winky pop, boys, you know, and that, and that, that was their little Joker thing back in Melbourne anyway. Winky pop means shag? Yeah. Fuck or sex, yeah. From the 60s? Yes, from the horse's mouth, pardon the pun. Fantastic. So yeah. this has come from Pat Morgan's best mate. And yeah. Pat was there this day. Yeah. So they all surfed it for the first time, they reckon. They don't reckon anyone had paddled around that button before. And they surfed it and came in. And Roger told me through his own mouth, he said, mate, we'll all stand on the beach going, what are we going to fucking name it? What are we going to call this joint? And... The legend is that Tristy looked to the ground and there were two crabs fucking piggybacking each other. There was one crab on another crab's back and he goes, look at that Pat, look at that Roger, they're they're having a winky pop. And and he just went bang, that was it. That's just stuck.
0: That's that's fantastic.
1: That's that's come from Roger and Pat Morgan and Tristy, he then moved up to the Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast and spent his, you know... um, retirement years up there and he died about a year and a half ago and his family brought his ashes down and scattered them out at winky pop in a very very low-key ceremony uh last i, I remember last you were summer, writing something about last it. summer yeah my interest so uh and he was also good friends with with um this this bloke roger fellow hey, roger's got a house in Juck, but he's a builder he's a melbourne builder and he's still best buddies with pat morgan now that's a great story. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as it dates back to before the surf industry, that. But it'd be really good of you to do a podcast with him to get that on record, uh, before before they pass. With Tristy or with Pat? No, Tristy's passed. Tristy's dead. No, with Pat or but Roger would be the man because Pat's not here. He's up north. Up north, yeah. Yeah, but um, but Roger Feller Hayes here every summer. Like I'm, as I said, we're I'm very very close with him. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, and um. They're all in their mid-80s to late... Oh, not late, mid-80s. Yeah, well,
0: yeah. after this, I'm going to show you something else that I'm working on on the side that yeah. will be, It's in the same vein. Um, I won't let the cat out of the bag too yeah, quick.
1: Yeah, the old Pat Morgan, mate.
0: Oh, I can't wait to show it to I you. I
1: still know his son quite well, Brendan. Yeah, right.
0: Mm. Um, and so you, you've you created a brand around it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and it's pretty much just a hobby, mate. I, I sell... Boards and T-shirts. I sell oh, not many boards, man. I don't show many boards. I always was going to do a shop, but and I was always going to do it in junk or talky. But everyone small that seemed to go out alone seemed to go broke. I watched a lot, a lot come and go, like Freddie Mac and you know Southern Juice and this and that. I don't know where they went broke, but they didn't get. They weren't successful. It was always Rip Curl, Quicksilver, piping hot, and you know they just owned it strappers done well strappers done really well they're still hanging in there but they've taken the hit and i i just thought nah don't be stupid don't do that stick to what you know just keep it as a hobby and to be honest when i first registered winky pop it was because roger told me the story and i didn't want anyone else to have it because i heard it from his mouth it's a great story yeah he gets free t-shirts roger well, it's his story. It's not my story. It's his story. And I was yeah. just lucky enough to be around the campfire one night when he told me. And, yeah, when you when you start talking to dudes that were surfing Bells Beach and trekking through, you know, on Sweeney's track and all that, back in the day, in the, in the early 60s, before Ripco and that, you just think, fuck, it's, it's, well, it's, just, it's a okay, short I was, history. I
0: tell you right now, I'm doing... Uh, I just got funded. I've pitched Film Victoria three times. It's knocked me back. and I end up getting funding from the States, but... I'm um, doing a, a doco at the moment on the, the counterculture that broke away from the 56 Olympic Games around yes. that time yeah. on the history of this area.
1: Yeah, when the Americans came down and did yeah, a bit of a the demo, demo with the surf club and yeah. they got everyone
0: down from the Olympics yeah. to watch. So, but then, and then what transpired to be to become the, yeah. the surf industry, uh-huh. um, which wasn't here pre that, everything was hinged off the surf club.
1: Yeah, well, I can, uh, mate, I mate, I can hook you up with. Pat Morgan's crew, uh, as I said, half of them are dead now. Patrick yeah, Trump's I've
0: got, I've shot a, uh, a couple of people that I've interviewed have since passed from the yeah. surf club, okay. um, which is pretty sad. But yeah. I'll show you the trailer when we're done with awesome. this. Uh, yeah, man, I, oh, I love that stuff. Oh. You get goosebumps thinking yeah, about it.
1: Yeah, oh, totally. And the whole thing is, you, you've got to, do- someone's got to document this shit be- before they die, because mm. as you said, some of, them are, some of them and- are gone. And if you don't hear it from the, the horse's mouth. I keep saying it. if you don't hear it from the dude's mouth, you can tell the story. And eighty-five-year-olds and eighty-two-year-olds—they don't bullshit. No, they got nothing to gain. Yeah, yeah. So when when Roger tells you his stories about surfing and Winky Pop for the very first time with Peter Troy and Pat Morgan, you just fucking believe him.
0: Oh, I it's love just, it.
1: It's just—it's I love it too. And I just thought, you know what? I'd hate to see Quicksilver Rip Curl own that.
0: Well, they can't anymore because you know they're all—it's not lo- none of us local
1: anymore. Yeah, true. 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 It's, like,
0: it's actually like, you know, Rip Curl, Quicksilver was the first to go, then Rip Curl last year, and it feels like the mm. heart has sort of yeah. sailed,
1: mm. you know? No, it's a, it's a different different world now, mate. Isn't it? 2020, yeah, very, eh? Very different, very different. But, you know, it's not so long ago. The, the history we're talking about is not long ago, you know, and there's a few of them still alive.
0: Like, honestly, if you think back 20 years... And then you go, you know, if that transpired fifty and then the 60s, 70s, it was only thirty years before that, which doesn't oh, honestly, no. it fucking feels like a blink. I know,
1: that's that's, look, we're made in a hundred years. Our DNA out at Winky Pop, we'll, we'll, they'll be thinking we were the pioneers. Do you know what I mean? Because we can still remember surfing it with thirty dudes, and,
0: yeah. and,
1: and getting the gentlemen's hour at two o'clock where there's fucking no one out there yeah. except the handful of tradies because every prick had to go back to work. But um, you know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah, in 50 years from now, mate, Winky Pop's still going to be breaking exactly the same as it does now, but she's going to be a hell of a lot busier.
0: Yeah, unless there's a shift in the water plates. There might be some new waves.
1: There might be, mate. We yes. might get a
0: pipeline out here Correct. just off, um, you know, Point Danger.
1: Jarosite Reef might be the new Winky Pop, mate, <laughs> when, it's, when the tide comes up.
0: So what's I'm going to ask you one more question yeah. here. Is it this COVID man-made?
1: Oh, yeah, look... I don't think that's proven yet. Um, it's it's definitely come from China. Oh
0: yeah, yeah I'm not right. So that, we know yeah. that.
1: So whether it's man made or come from the bat,
0: it doesn't. Ta- none of it really matters. We're no, it, doesn't, with it. it
1: doesn't matter. And you know what? They won't fucking tell you anyway, mate. They're, they're, China, China are running running the world the way they want it, like like the Americans do, right? They they run it very differently. They're playing chess, mate. But the problem with China is. They don't give a fuck how no, long it takes, No, their
0: chest is a bit mate. more dirty. Oh, I no, no, no. But don't know, US is
1: pretty dirty too. Yeah, but US is wham bam thank you ma'am, whereas China, mate, they, mate, they, 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 don't care how long it takes to yeah yeah
0: yeah to
1: to run the world or take over the world the, the way they see it because they've got a lot more fucking people to feed, mate, and they need somewhere like Australia and some beautiful parts on you know the east and the eastern seaboard. Some of those Pacific nations, they they need those areas, mate, because. It's a pretty good place.
0: Well, it's precarious times. I mean, you look at how they're pushing into that southern sea mm-hmm. and building that atoll. Yes. Like, it's like, what the
1: fuck? Yeah, they're in for the long haul, mate. We, we won't see much in our generation, but going, you know, in a few, few more, who knows. We've been, we've been blessed our, since since the, you know, I suppose we had the, the Middle East wars and all that, but since conscription and that, you know, us, us ex-gen have been kissed on the dick. We have, we have not you know, <laughs> We've had a pretty good We've eh? had a good month yeah. We've had, had the really most peaceful
0: good. time on earth. Yeah. In and like, what,
1: what do you think everyone's carrying on now? Everyone's been told to, you know, stop immigration, stop spreading the disease, stop going overseas. Just this is the sacrifice that we have to make right here, right now. Stay at fucking home, don't go out. Don't spread it. Wear a mask. Whatever you have to do. It's pretty simple fucking instructions, and it's a pretty simple sacrifice compared to the generations before us. One hundred percent. And that's what that frustrates me a bit. But if you got food also, on the table, yeah, you,
0: got, you know you're warm. You know, can you pay your bills? Yeah, um, you're not getting kicked out. Then it's happy days, really.
1: But it well, it is for us. It is for us in Australia. But it's um, yeah, it's it's killing a lot of old crew. And oh look. It's, it's a shame how, how, how it's all ended up, how we've destroyed the economy, because we're sort of humming there for a while, Australia. We're, we're, on, the, we're on a big growth thing. But who, who's to say that was healthy? Do you know what I mean? You got well, ma- it,
0: it, it has never continued. It's mm. always gone up and down. Yeah,
1: I know. But see, Australia's growth and population, our feast for population, and Victorians, New South Wales feast, is based on immigration. Uh, well, look, honestly, I just,
0: I, I, I just think this is something that bothers me, population. It's what's going to kill Earth, I think, and destroy our, um, like, you know, after spending a fair bit of time in the States Mm. and you drive out of LA into southern Orange County and it just doesn't stop. Like, you don't know where LA stops and Orange County starts Mm. because it's just homes. And I feel like that's what's going to happen between here and Melbourne. And we're going to lose this uh, quality of life that we've all, Mm. you know, just to keep the economy going Mm. in growth. Correct. And it's, it's a broken model.
1: It, well, it is, mate. And But where's the answer? Like, I, I don't you, know, you know. Well, that's the problem. No one knows. And if our economy's based on growth, which is population growth, to keep the houses getting built, you, mate, well, we're not having the babies, right? People are selfish now. They want to go on holidays. They don't want to have babies till they're 30. And then when they do, it's fucking hard work. So they only want to have one or two. They don't want to have six, like the old Christians that didn't wear dingers back in the day. <laughs> didn't have contraception, right? So they just have massive families, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you have a look at some of the people where, um, I suppose, that are moving to the country, like so the latest crop would be, say, the Muslim religion. Mate, they do have big families. Yeah. Right? They're yeah. in for the long haul too. So they you know, they they don't drink much and they don't take much, just many drugs like Australians. They're not into that sort of shit. They're into big families and religion and prayer and all that sort of stuff. So You've got to be fucking really careful how much you let in and how much you want the culture to change, do you know what I mean? It's deep and it's scary, but we've we've seen it with the
0: But we've always had the biggest Greek community outside
1: of Greece. Well, I- well we saw it with the Asian influx in the in the 80s, yeah, and everyone thought that was bad, but no, they're beautiful people and you know and it it worked out okay. Great food, great culture, and then you, then we saw the Greeks and Italians come in, and they built the cities in the seventies and eighties, didn't they? They the, they taught us how to work. Oh, and bought culture. Yeah, and and, I think, the the problem that I've got with immigration today is if you're gonna be real compassionate and worry about all the problem parts of the world like Syria and Iraq and, you know, Sudan and all those places where you know we're made. To feel that we have to look after those people and those refugees, that that's fine, right? But if we're going to bring them in, if if the Victorian government's going to go right, let's you know our duty is to take ten thousand refugees into Victoria. If we're going to bring that in, we bring in problems with it because you bring in the culture, because Australia's not fucking hard. We're soft. We don't we don't let people move here and say, hey, by the way, you drink piss. Yeah, okay, and you're fucking not politically correct. Well, we do what we say, we've got thick skin. You know, that's sort of the, the 80s. We don't say that anymore. We no, say, no, no, no. Have you oh, we that, say, would you, noticed... you like to build your mosque? Oh, that's okay. Yes, you can have your religion too. And yes, you can cover up your women, but we we won't. But you can do that with yours because it's part of your religion. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're fucking soft, mate. Well, uh,
0: we're pandering and catering to everybody. Why? No, no, I don't know why. Yeah. But at, China at, doesn't. At, it's at the cost of our own. Um, uh, well, Steve, it's, it's really weird though, because you go, all right, well, we're, we're, we're not truly here from here either, right? When you really want to boil it down. Correct. And so you go, all right, well, we're letting everyone be themselves. Um, and and look you're welcome to be you when you're but we at the same time we diminish who we are a little bit at, with each because you know like you can't celebrate Christmas in primary school anymore mm. because you're offending someone else's culture mm. um, and it's really tricky yeah. man because everyone everyone who's alive is has a right to be alive and I understand what you're saying with, uh, we're not telling people, hey, you're in Australia now, and this is how we do things. Yeah. Um, but there is some fucking funny things on the internet with the Indians trying to. Be, have you seen those YouTube of like Indians going? Oh, uh, it's about lamb. Yeah. Lamb. And oh. shit. that, that shit's funny. I oh, don't and spend it, too much
1: time on YouTube, but I know. I know exactly what you're saying.
0: It's but hard, we, man. We, we,
1: we've just got to be careful, mate, because I think it's done. Like well, honestly, well, when no, I it's at, nev- nev- never too late. It's never too late to stop the rot. Right. For example. And I don't want people thinking this sounding racist, but if you know, if you've got gangs and you've got gangs in Melbourne that are of any colour, white, black, brown, whatever whether they're Asian or Sudanese or Aussies, you know, bogans, rednecks, it doesn't really matter. But if you've got that culture, you've got to be really careful. Because culture... The, cultures, the race, well, cultures will race war, rights. exactly. Yep. Cultures will war. And religions will war. And if we if we if we're not if we're not gonna set this joint up, for the future and have a standards, and like this is the nation, you know. Pardon the pun, but Pauline's Pauline Hansen's, you know, wants a one nation. She wants something recognisable, and not too much of everything coming in influencing, you know, our, our landscape. You know, if you come to Australia, you know, you know we're we're a multicultural place, yes, but we're friendly, we're accepting of alls, but you know, but. We, we we've got a culture to adhere to, and and it goes back to the first people as well. We they're, they're crying out to have theirs remembered, and and now I suppose, the first settlers have, are crying out for, to have theirs remembered. It's, it's the same sort of stuff, but the first people obviously were here for a, a hell of a lot longer. You know, like what I love. Sorry for them. Oh
0: man, how long were they here? Sixty thousand or
1: something.
0: Sixty thousand plus. <clears throat> yeah. Sixty thousand being moderate, and they lived. Coexisting with nature, and yet, like we were painted, we were told that these people were, you know, when we were educated about um, Indigenous history and culture yeah. at school, yeah. it wasn't that they were, um, they had their shit together.
1: Mate, I I grew up wanting to be. You see, I, I a, didn't know a, until an I'm Aboriginal older. person because I just I, I grew up idolizing Peter Garrett and Midnight Oil. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was my band. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and you know I was. If anything, politically, I was full left back in the day, but that was before this right-wing, left-wing bullshit now, which is dividing everything. I'll tell you something about me that I'd like to share that you wouldn't know. Please. I'm a direct descendant from the First Fleet, right, so that's... Um, There was a, a very famous couple on the first fleet called, and you can look all this shit up if you if you ever want to uh, Anthony Rope and Elizabeth Pulley. Uh, there was in that. Hold hit, on, rope and pulley? Rope and pulley, mate. It's kind of like. Yeah, t- correct. It so was they meant had, to be. They had male ships for yeah. the prisoners, the convicts, and they had female. And there was a, a fleet of, well, I think, seven or eight that came over in that first fleet. Now, when they landed in Sydney Cove and did what they did. The British Army and, and started their colonisation. Um, that was when they mixed all the convicts together and they those two were my... The boys and girls, you mean? Yeah, yeah. They they, they mixed all the yeah they would the, boys, have the boys and girls, all the boys and girls convicts. So so Elizabeth Pulley was my eighth generation great-grandma and Anthony Roke was my eighth generation great-grandpa and they hooked up the very first night on January 26, 1788 and... And nine months later, they gave birth to the first white-born, conceived baby on Australian soil, and that was an an uncle of mine, Robert Rope. Yeah, that is a huge. I was listening that yeah. burnout in the
0: distance. Did you hear that? Yeah, um, but, but they
1: had eight kids that that family, and that they they're part of the. So you're saying that your great great uncle, was the first white-born baby conceived on Australian soil. So there were a couple of babies born in the first. Um, nine months of the first fleet because there were ladies coming over getting pregnant on the boats, the sailors were rooting them and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but they were the first couple to conceive on Australian soil. And what, had, what were they convicted of to come? They were both convicted for seven years' deportation um, they were both sentenced to death in Sussex in England for what stealing, stealing, stealing like bread or yeah, bread, bread. Yeah. One one was bread and one was electrical goods. You know, imagine like shit. how harsh things yeah, were well back that, then. That's it, mate. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. You know, a lot of people have a go at the first settlers, but it wasn't the first settlers, mate, that you should be pointing the finger at. The, it, it was all the British. Oh, completely. The British are the ones that so sent they were
0: colonizing the, f- the world.
1: That's right. That's right. And you know there was wars to follow and all that sort of shit, but.
0: It was a grab for land.
1: Yeah, Totally, 100%. And I, that's why I've, I've never really understood the, the, the finger pointing at, at the Aussie bloke like me and like my, my great-grandparents. I've never understood that because we were victims as well. They were convicts. It was the British Army that said, hey, you know, my grandmother got sentenced to death over there and luckily after they discovered Australia, the, the Brits, the, then they said, hey, we've got this place. Yeah, Fuck! Let's not send him. Let's not. Let's not send him to the gallows. These these crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's colonise fucking Australia. Have you read?
0: Um, there's a book called The Batavia. No, I haven't. It's about the Dutch and how they were going around and getting um. Uh, like spices from the Spice Islands which are up in near Indo and they mm-hmm. had the biggest uh, I think the Dutch at the time were the most powerful people it was like pre-Australian yeah, settlement they,
1: they took Africa they took South Africa
0: so they had this boat called the Batavia that went from um, from up up there in is it Holland? Yeah, Holland was I Dutch, think so. was Dutch. Yeah. Holland, yeah no I think sense. so yeah. mate I'm and not... so then they come they sailed down and this boat had the most riches of any boat to ever sail in the world at the time and yeah. it had a fleet behind it and there was a mutiny on board that was brewing under the... It's a fuck, man, you got to read yeah. this book. And so anyway, it, they hit a reef just off WA and it all got stuck on these, uh, this little atoll off WA. Yeah. And they think that the... Um, and the bloodshed that happened. So they, they split, the mutiny split. Yeah. And they fucking just butchered each other. And, and then uh, a couple of people got banished onto mainland Australia. Mm-hmm. And they said some of the first settlers that went up the north... Witnessing Aboriginals with blonde hair and blue eyes, Really? and they think it was people that were banished from that Batavia boat. Ah, oh, right. You got to, it's a great story, yeah, right, man. Okay. Goosebumps again. And like, I the, can't believe that's not a movie. That that, that story is so blood curdling.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I didn't, I didn't know that, mate. I didn't know that. But I, I, it was my grandmother, my direct grandmother, that did the the. She traced our, you know, family tree. I've got it on the back of my front door at home, and it's it's their their graves are still in. Um, Castlemaine Cemetery in in New South Wales.
0: That's where they
1: settled. Yeah, um, well, that's where they got buried, buried. So that's yeah. where they spent their final years. They both lived uh, well into their eighties or nineties, and they had eight children. And yeah, my sort of branch came from a chick called Sarah Sarah Rope, who was the sister to yeah Robert Rope. But yeah, it's all it's all traceable because once again, it's not that long ago. No, and obviously there's a lot of people in that family because eight. Eight brothers and sisters, all went on to have families of their own, and they all used to have, you know, five, six, seven, and seven kids, yeah, because they were, they were farming and colonizing. Catholic? Hmm? Catholic? I would couldn't tell you, couldn't tell you.
0: Seems a bit like you I don't know, know how
1: big church was back then. I, I like with the with Australia. I don't know Catholic Christian probably Catholic and Christian. I'd say yeah, but I um I'm an atheist.
0: That means nothing. What do you mean? That means, I mean, you Do you believe in
1: nothing. Is that like a nihilist? No, no I've, I believe in anything that can be proven, anything. Anything that can be proven. Mm, mm. Okay. So if you can prove to me that, that, that there is a God and a spirit, I will believe it right now. But at this, where, all the years I've spent on this earth, uh, there's been no proof yet, mate. So.
0: What about um, when you look at things like quantum physics and like... Uh, you know like telepathically people can communicate through mm. earth yeah, and i
1: call that imagination
0: okay and things like dark matter that we can't explain that move in our ethos and atmosphere and move through space but that science can't quite nail it but they know it's there mm. I about mean, that shit mm, don't know what about star wars with the force i mean i love that mm.
1: do you think there no, could be I, a force I, I don't like science <laughs> science fiction bullshit it's, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm a documentary man, mate. I'm a, I'm a. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A if you def-
0: can't nail it to the fucking wall, it's
1: not real. Not correct. And yeah. Look, I have a passion with news. I'm a news junkie, so I watch, I watch all the mainstream news. Um, you know, sort of at the end of my day's work, it's my wind down, and I, I am that idiot that sits in the kitchen, cooking tea, swearing at the telly yeah. because I don't like something that's being presented or um, well, I've got an opinion on something, so unfortunately for my family they will have to listen to the carry-on. But then once that's finished, then I'll sometimes switch over to the most biased national broadcaster in Australian living history, the ABC, and see what they've got to say. And then I'll flick across to some Sky News on Fox and listen Andrew Bolt, tell it how it really is.
0: I wish I could had a comment about it. I don't know about any <laughs> of the media shit, man. No, I stay just...
1: away from it then, because... Um, the The best thing is you don't ever comment on something you don't know anything about. Do you know what I mean? I got a, I got a philosopher that lives next door to me, and he says don't. He said to me, and he's a bit old. He's a, he's in his he's in his early eighties, and he said, "Chicken, don't ever talk to me about something you don't know about." I said, oh, "I wouldn't, Bill." Fantastic. And, and, and he, but then he sounds he, like he's pretty straight up and down. Oh, he is, but then he said to me, and this is how he, this guy spends his day in. Court. But how can a philosopher? Well, he spends his day in court courts, and he's an artist, and he draw he draws the pictures for of the criminals in the courts. Really? Yeah, he's a, he's a he's, sketcher. He's, yeah, he's one of them. And um, has he ever sketched you? Yes, he has. Fucking great. Yeah, <laughs> and he made me look like a fucking convict. Awesome. He all put all <laughs> these wrinkles that I didn't have all over my face. But anyway, yeah, he has sketched me. Uh, he's a he's a real eccentric dude. But he said to me, "Like you, you meet these people in life and they're so intelligent and they seem to fucking know everything about courts and some law and order and all this. And he said to me the, the other day, he goes, Chicken, can you answer me a question? Because he's been down here, you know, and during ISO he came down and he doesn't live here full time, he's got a holiday house, but he's, he's able to be here because he came down before that mm. cutoff period. And he said to me the other day, he goes, been watching a lot of surfers. He goes, what? why on earth can you tell me they have to run when they have a board under their arm? And I said, mm, fucking, that's interesting that you've... That's the one thing you've noticed about us. I said, I said, I, I suppose, Bill, I said, the only th- explanation I can give you, I said, it's adrenaline. I said, because you name another sport where you put the board under your arm and you go out into a game park where, you, you know, you could possibly run across, you know, some... Some some great historic beasts like sharks or whales. um I said, but you could also drown. You could all. It's it's an it's an extreme sport. I told him, and I said, fuck. When you put the board under your arm, you're you're running because your blood's rushing. Day, yeah, it's game day, mate. It's like you're walking out of the MCG every time you go for a... Going
0: <laughs> over the line exactly. Yeah, well, that's true, isn't it? Oh, if you go out there passively, you're not getting a wave.
1: Yeah, but then the same bloke, the same bloke then about two weeks later, I saw him on the beach walking Jane Jack when I walked me dog and he said, can you tell me, chicken, when that tide goes out, where does the water go? And I said, you're taking the piss, right? And he was fucking dead serious. So you got a bloke that's spent his life in courtrooms sketching criminals and he fucking asked me that question. And I, I said, mate, the fact that you are sad, I'm not even going to fucking give you the answer.
0: Um, did you tell him there was like a, a plug down the Antarctic yeah. to Well, well he, that's
1: what he yeah. was thinking. He was really concerned where the water was going. I said, mate, it's all connected, you know. I said, and as we spin, there's a bit of a gravity pull, but that was getting too scientific for him, so God, I, I stopped you. short. Cut on my the, hands and knees. <laughs> Isn't it is funny? But this is the same bloke that said, don't talk to me about anything. Yeah, he doesn't pretend to know about surfing. Yeah. He doesn't t- pretend to know anything about the tides or the moon, but we all do because. You well, know,
0: he's a book smart.
1: Yeah, but, he, but he's, never, he's never read about stuff like that because he, it's not interesting. Like Most people think the surfers in Victoria are just fucking stupid because fre- it's freezing.
0: Yeah, we'll just let them think we're stupid.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> shit sport, everyone. Anyone, yeah. anyone out there that doesn't surf, don't get into it. It's selfish. It's it ruins cold. relationships. It's really cold. It's it fun. is, it is, It's cool. funny you say that too. I, m- my wife and a lot of friends that I know that have married surfers and, you know, raised families to surfers. They, when they were in high school, you know, and they saw the, the surfy <laughs> bloke and they thought, oh, I'd love to date a surfer. And they all say that until they fucking marry one, I reckon. And then they realise how fucking selfish we are. I mm-hmm. oh, mate, I've missed Christmas lunches. I've missed Mother's Days. Because, you know, when all the elements align, you know, oh, just I the know. selfish surfer
0: goes. Yeah, there was and a Christmas, a couple of Christmas ago, Mum had a go at me. Yeah, I bet. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Chicken, I want to say thank you so much. No worries, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. No, no thank I, you. I, I, I was honoured to think that you thought I'd be interesting enough because I know some of the calibre that you've had on here but I I, I was honoured to think that you thought I'd be interesting enough for a chat because I do have a slightly different twist on opinions to a lot of the other crew that you interview and I respect that and I respect the fact that you had a good talk, talk to me. It was enjoyable.
0: Man, it's been great fun and look,
1: Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, you know, like yeah. well, someone said on? to me one day, "No one remembers the uh, the boring ones because we're all gonna die, mate." I know. Yeah, and we got to, I, I mean, listened I, to that chat, chat you had with Case, Casey, Glenn Casey, and fuck man, that, that I was getting goosebumps listening to him talking about the body and the, the hole in the ground. That's that's heavy shit, mate. And a lot of people don't talk about that stuff because it's it's fucking real and we're all going to end up the same, just like everyone that listens to this in the next 12 months is alive right now, but there's one thing for certain. We're all going to be dead together as well.
0: I always think that we're all just little bubbles
1: and we're slowly we're just popping away. Maybe we're just bacteria on the Earth's surface, mate, having a chance. And we're pretty smart because we've made airplanes and... I've brushed brush my teeth. I'm a, I'm a I'm a clean bacteria. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we, should, we should twist one up one day and go real deep, mate. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> See you, brother. Thanks, chicken. Bang, we just fucking shot. You on this
0: <laughs> one, Well, there you have it. Uh, there was my chat with... Paul Chicken Dwyer, um, wherever you are out there in the wide world, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed chatting to him. Um, it's just amazing what you learn about somebody who you've known for a long time. Like there's so much shit in there I didn't know about Chicken that, that you just learn through a conversation. Talking's good. Um, so, yeah, if you're a parent out there, send your kids to the room. <laughs> send your kids to the room. There's nothing wrong with a bit of discipline. It helps you. And, and maybe one day they'll end up in the pen, you know. They'll end up in the pen and they'll be ready. They'll be ready for the pen environment because they're used to solitude, being in the hole. Um, no, don't send your kids to their room at the moment. It's uh, That's a double-down effect. It might, might have, you know, locked up and locked in. No, I don't know. Do whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you how to parent. Uh, until next time, be well, be safe, and uh, thanks again. Adios.